This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. It's fascinating to me the security situation and how it's changed in this country in the past I'll say four years, I guess, probably three years, really. Uh, COVID, definitely a big turning point and all that. The election. I thought we were headed for civil war then. Look at what's going on now with these indictments and whatnot. This uh, this indictment nonsense. It's going to come to a head. It's going to come to a head in a big way. The media, I think, is going to destroy themselves uh Look, how can you watch CNN, MSNBC? I think I started to talk about this on Monday a little bit. And you're going to just listen to the same Trump's a liar, Trump's a misogynist, look what he's done now, repeated day in another expert out of the woodwork. Mary, and, and, and tell us more about the impact on the black community and what this man has done. You know, the drama, it's just, it's never ending. Nonsense, really, in pretty much every way. No real debate going on. Not any uh, even really information being shared. Anyway, let's not get down the politics trail. The point is that things have gotten very, very volatile. Uh, You could add to this a lot of things economically. You know, people getting fired, businesses getting attacked, robbed. Um, this flash mob. Did you see this robbing Nordstrom, $100,000? I had a little theory on this, by the way. Does the flash mob and the attention that it brings, is that good for Nordstrom or bad for Nordstrom? Could the insurance claim cover the VIG (laughs) in a big way? In other words, could there be a financial advantage to Nordstrom for this to happen? Hmm. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I have to believe that if it was hurting the bottom line that they would be screaming a lot louder than they are, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Either way, does it make you more or less comfortable going to a Nordstrom or shopping at all? The stories are endless. There's places that you don't want to go in like every major city. Now, maybe that's always been the case. You know, you don't go down that street, that's for sure. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons that could happen. Mental health, drugs, crime. All reasons that, you know, you might want to avoid a particular area. Somehow there becomes a a prevalence of it in a certain area. Why does that happen? Well, because the legal structure allows it to happen. It's benefiting somebody to do it. Who cares who else it's hurting? They don't seem to care. Either way, the net result of this for you and me Whether we're at home in most places, wherever you want to go, your children, your family, your business, your career, all this is um, come under a much higher threat level than it was, say, three, four years ago. Would you agree? Maybe not on every point, but I I see the plain evidence of it. It's not just uh, headline-driven. Our crime rate's up. I believe every statistical report says they are. It seems like we're hearing about more and more and more of it hitting closer to home. I remember there was a time even in this town, they said, uh, you never you never hear of a, a, a robbery, let alone an armed robbery in this town. That's changed. 
that's changed. Do we worry about it? It's a concern that I have. I, I share some of that on the podcast. I wouldn't say that I worry about it. Why? Because uh, we're well prepared. Multi, multi layers of security. And I have to tell you that the cost of it is next to nothing today. You can't afford not to do it. The dogs, well, that's a little different story. Uh, but if you're going to have dogs, I would you know consider choosing breeds that are um, advantageous to security purposes. We have a trio. We've got a little fluffy thing. I don't know what she is. My wife picked her out. She's my favorite, Sophie. Sophie's job is to sound the alarm. She senses things that the other dogs don't. Uh, that's her job. Secondly, we have the pit bull. She hits low. We have the shepherd. He hits high. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I've seen those two dogs working together. And um, I believe that uh, if, if the deer's range were limited, no, if, if, if they were in the same range as the deer, not limited, if they could run after the deer, I believe that they could take it down a deer. I could be wrong. I think that shepherd would get on that deer. Mm, I don't know. Like that dog can run like a horse. I, if, when he runs by you at full gallop, it, it sounds like you ever been to the horse race? How was that for sound effects? Uh, I would love to have like a sound effect thing. Anybody have any knowledge? How do you do that? Probably easier than I think. There's a great AI tool. Anyway, dog security. That's just my way of thinking. I always kind of think tactically. Not really. My dog, my daughter picked out the dogs, but uh, the other two dogs, but uh, she did a great job and has worked out pretty well for us security wise. And I'm not going to go into the details of everything else cameras, alarms, monitors, um, other ways to defend yourself if somebody does get in. I'll say this. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. You know that if you listen to this podcast. I, was given my first shotgun when I was 12 years old. Something I grew up with. Shot a rifle when I was, I think, about eight. I might have been nine. Crazy for me to think about it. My daughter, would I let my daughter shoot a gun? Yeah, I'd let her shoot a 22 or something like that. Um, I think I shot a 308. For, you know, it, it threw me around a little bit at that age. Uh, but I wouldn't introduce it to her really on purpose like that. Why? Because I'm not a big fan of introducing kids to a gun the first time with something like a 22 or like a 410. Um, and I say that because I believe that they need to feel and appreciate the power of the firearm. And you just don't get that. My son, he was very excited about shooting. We did when he was 12. I took him shooting. I didn't get him started earlier than that. And... Um, then I bought, yes, I bought him a gun for his 12th birthday too. It was a single shot. 12 gauge and 22 okay uh 20 gauge and 22 20 gauge and 20, no 410 and 22 sorry and yeah you could pop the barrel a little single shot right pretty benign as far as guns go but that's not what i took him to shoot the first time the took the first time i took him to shoot he shot my 45 shot three rounds broke out in a sweat and said here take it at that point he had respect for the firearm you see what i'm saying then I give him the 22 and the 410. He can play around and have a little fun with it. Then I gave him a um, Mossberg 12-gauge when he turned 21. So 
I don't know if Keats bought anything else. I'm not even sure if he has it with him. It might be with his mother. Who knows? But I'm a big Second Amendment guy. That's my point. But here's what I want to tell you. Hunting, shooting since I was a kid. What I want to tell you is if, if that's not you, you're not comfortable with firearms, you never used firearms, I, first of all, I wouldn't go from A to Z. If you're going to do it, I would get yourself some training or some knowledge. You could do it with YouTube these days. Uh, there's plastic rounds that you could get. Um, is it possible to do that? Yeah, I would think so. You know, if I was trying to shoot a new weapon, it's not like I would go for training. I'd probably YouTube it. But I would be, I would be extremely careful. Uh, the, the chances that you're poorly trained, not know what you're doing, um, the higher that you're going to kill somebody that you love or hurt yourself before you're going to shoot a criminal. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. But there's other ways to protect yourself, um, some lethal, some non-lethal, uh, ranging from fire extinguishers to bear spray and, and stun guns. All these things are available. You can purchase online now. Home security, in some cases, a better choice. Probably in many cases, a better choice for a variety of different reasons. That's something you have to determine. Anyway, I just wanted to say that because you know, I want to give you a little update on what's going on here. I'm just, if you're not somebody that's using firearms, you don't, you don't need to rush to that. Plenty of other things you could do. The other thing I'm going to mention real quick, um, the cameras that I use, uh, the Wise cameras, something that I really recommend. Great camera system. Very inexpensive. You can't afford not to do it. Uh, so let me give you a little update on some of the things that have been going on. Uh, this is all within the past couple of weeks. This was a uh, reporter who reported on uh, crime and police, ironically, or not so ironically, sucker punched on the street. This, this is not a new phenomenon. This guy is angry. Walking to people in his way he throws a punch at him. He's so angry, he just explodes. She got my way. Punches this woman in the face. She got hurt. She got a photograph of her. She's appalled that they can't get him, can't find him. Wow. Out of control. It's not a new phenomena in big cities to have that kind of thing going on. People like that troubled anywhere, really. Uh, police have to deal with that kind of thing. The level of it, I don't know. Flash mob, I mentioned. Um, Los Angeles, homeless. Smoke drugs on the streets, tents littering everywhere. Uh, it's not doesn't feel safe to walk through that. Many many blocks of it. Um, let's see, police uh, face criticism. This is crazy. It's on a different. Uh, well, let me go to this. Philadelphia uh, Council moves to crack down on boom parties and nuisance vehicles. This is like the modern rave, really. Um. What's a rave? These are like these drug-fueled, these kids would go in these warehouses and whatnot and have these illegal um, get-togethers. This kind of thing is regulated for a good reason. The building needs to be made safe for it. But the kids would go in there, they have these music, and they'd get all ecstasied out, and they'd be locked up in there and you know do their thing. This that's going on with the boom parties and the nuisance vehicles, they're talking about these, basically the... Crowds show up and, you know, do an impromptu close off the streets and they're racing. And they're also talking about motorcycles and four-wheelers out on the streets in the city of Philadelphia to a crazy level, by the way. If you want to ask me, I think the city is missing a big opportunity on this. Now, in some ways, uh, there's a, a lot to be said about this issue with both the boom parties, 
They're, you know, they pop up on social media. Many times the police are, are aware before it happens. They choose not to stop it for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, sometimes they, you know, they go on quickly and safely and not really a big deal. The nuisance vehicle thing with the motorcycles, off-road motorcycles and, and four-wheelers on the streets, um, in some cases used for robberies, you know, they can, you know, snatch and go kind of thing. If you want to ask me personally, the city of Philadelphia is very much able to operate in, as its own state in many ways. There's some distinction for a first-class city, and one of the reasons why the city's become so corrupted, I think. But anyway, I think the city should license them. I've long thought that why don't they have a single-person vehicle or a two-person tandem vehicle, four-wheeler, that was half the size of a car that you just use for basic personal commuting. You know, we've got trunks and cargo space, and it's great for certain people in certain positions. And you got people riding electric bikes. If a, and, and in Philadelphia, by the way, you're perfectly legal to drive an electric bike statewide. I think nationally, as long as it's under 35 miles an hour, it's deemed to be a, a bicycle, basically. So this gives the city, in my opinion, a few options. Um, but the first I would say is to license these vehicles for road use within the city of Philadelphia, excluding, uh, you know, freeways, expressways, interstates, whatever the definition of that would be, label them specifically. And maybe even certain roadways were limited off limit, you know, Broad Street. You're not going to, you don't want four wheelers, I don't think, but I, I don't know. You'd have to think about all that. You see what I'm saying? But you license them, you permit it, you collect a fee, which you use to regulate it. And if need be, maybe you limit the speed to 35 miles an hour if that's what it's going to take. Why would it be bad? It's saving gas, allowing people to commute, make it so there's no driver's license required. Or maybe there is a basic safety test or not. I don't know. You don't have to you know, decide those. But frankly, I think there's a better way to handle it than just trying to ban them. I think that they're going to have trouble doing it as well. What else do we have here? This is a big one. I want to wait till the end. New York City outdoor dining sheds were celebrated in the pandemic, but now there's a new set of rules in the city of New York. Remember how they were building out, Howard? Uh, New York to spend $25 million in state funds to rent homes for thousands of asylum seekers. So I have a bunch of questions about this. Where are these homes that are being rented? What happens if the state runs out of money? Where do these people go? And how are their other needs being taken care of? We may never know. Hopefully we don't. But we may find out. And when I talk about security issues, this is a big part of it. you got people that have nothing. And they've essentially you know, been dumped here, dumped themselves here, whatever you want to call it. Masses of people in New York and California, Philadelphia. And where else? Texas. Florida, crazy when you think. All around the country, vast numbers. What happens when, when economic conditions shift? Chicago mayor floating the idea of sending migrants to the suburbs. That tells you right there why my concern that you're going to soon see waves of these people coming. There's a big risk. I'm not going to say you will because it's not going to happen everywhere, certainly. But I feel that we're at risk for this here. High risk? 
I don't think so for a variety of reasons, but some risk, absolutely. What am I talking about? You got homeless people living down in, in the parks in Philadelphia. You know, the border of Philadelphia is six miles from here, five miles, six miles from here. How far down into the park? I don't know, Fairmount Park down there? I don't know. Call it 10 miles, 12 miles. They start, you know, getting desperate for resources. What are they going to do? They're going to start moving out. Where are they going to go? They might come through here in mass numbers, potentially. Maybe stopping for snacks and resupplies along the way, whether they're, whether they're invited or not. I clicked the pause button there by accident as I was talking. That sounded a little funny there. Never had that happen before. I don't know. I had my finger on the mouse in the first. Well, I was thinking about taking a little break there, which I did. I tied that together. You see that? You didn't even know it was gone. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? Temporary shelter for asylum seekers closes in Maine's largest city. Where are they going? Suburbs, small towns. <clears throat> Workers in San Francisco Federal Building told to work from home due to crime. There was a big uh, skyrise development project out there in San Francisco. A billion dollar, like a $1.2 billion high-rise building under construction. They put a stop to it. The city is falling apart. You know, they talk about housing inventory, this move that they, they want to uh, change the zoning to allow higher density to increase housing supply. So in my case here, it means that the house next to me could be converted to a triplex or maybe different. Maybe somebody could do more depending on how the zoning was adopted. Right now, uh, in Pennsylvania, we have protections against that kind of thing. I'm going to tell you this. I've seen it firsthand, not in an area like this, but I've seen it in other areas where they've allowed it, and it absolutely destroys the communities. They're not, the infrastructure isn't there. They weren't built. They weren't designed uh, to handle that kind of volume, right? You take, like, row homes or twins, blocks of twins. This happened in Philadelphia, you know, where they make it a, a cut it in half, a top and a bottom, and now you get twice as many people living there, twice as many cars, a lot of this was started back in the day when people really didn't have as many cars. Done for different economic reasons. Is it going to make a comeback? I have a feeling it's coming whether we want it or not. I'm going to tell you right now, for us, where we're at here, um, it would just absolutely destroy um, our quality of life. I, I would not want to put up with it at all. We would probably look to move. I can't see it happening. There's a lot that could go on. I could talk about this for hours on my point. Times are changing quickly. Um, video shows open-air prostitution in another New York City neighborhood. The, um, you know, people, females just scantily clad and worse, just walking down the street. And it's old-school stuff. Mother charged um, after text revealed that she basically told her son to commit this murder. It was disgusting. Texting with different people didn't try to stop it, instead encouraged it, all right? So there's lots of different things going on, but it doesn't stop there. Um, I guess I'll throw this in. Um, well, the migrant issues, this issue, and just tell you how divisive it is, barrels of drinking water that were staged around Texas by compassionate groups to help migrants, some other groups went through and um, emptied them or took them away. Kind of amazing when you think about it. Should we be providing water there? Is that compassionate or not? 
like they're feeding animals or something like that. A little messed up, really, to me. All right. So that's one end of it. Um, to tell you the, the level of the problems, one more thing on this with the immigrants. The governor of New York, uh, the legal team, sent this 12-page response to the mayor. I guess there's a, a lawsuit going on or something like that. And they're basically saying, this is the city's problem. Everybody's saying that. Everybody's like, whoa, you guys are the ones who are like, oh, we're a sanctuary city. You built your whole political career around that. Now you got your radicals in Washington. Hmm. Hmm. Be careful what you wish for, I think, is the saying that goes with that. I don't feel good about it. We got family in Manhattan. Not good. My mother-in-law, it's not good. Other things going on. The economy, I know. Bidenomics, it's working. They keep telling you that every day. If you repeat it often enough, it'll be true. But somehow people are looking in their wallets, and it's just not adding up. Uh, U.S. Basic Income Project shows signs of success. Why, they say? Because this recipient says it helps with their stress. You know what? Getting a check every month would help with my stress as well. I applaud it in that direction. What's it doing to the economy? I'm going to tell you this. Uh, I've said this before. There's more debt than there's ever been in modern time. Worldwide debt, corporate, government, personal, across the board. Um, it's crazy, the amount of debt out there, the amount of cash out there, the amount of wealth out there. That's really the point. The amount of money that's out there. I think they've lost complete control of it. What do I mean by that? Well, I can tell you that the first round of stimulus spending isn't even complete. Very Going back to Trump, money that Trump authorized, still not spent. They don't know where to put it. Looking for places to create places to dump more money as quickly as possible. How do you spend it? What do you think is driving the frenzy in politics? The Fed is saying, we need to pump more money into the economy. How do you want to do that? Do you think that they're begging? I don't think so. I don't hear any uh, Fed board members complaining that the government needs to stop spending so much money. We say, wow, they're raising interest rate. What's that indicating? And there's another little crisis economically that nobody's talking about in all this. We're like burning through $2 trillion a year right now. I can't believe it. It's accelerated beyond what even I envisioned. I was talking about it at a trillion a year. Five years ago when I started the podcast, I talked about the trillion-dollar-a-year deficit that was not going to go away. Steve Bannon said it's a structural deficit. I never got a chance to ask him what he meant about that. But um, I don't know if he means with Social Security problems or something. I don't don't think so, though. Promises made and not funded, I guess. Trillion dollars. It's now two trillion. I think it's already enacted to go to three. I bet you it's already in law, more or less. Three, two trillion dollar a year deficit. Did I emphasize that enough? A year. <laughs> Promising, practicing for my Casio Cortex debut. Debut, debut, debut. Try to be a little more dramatic. One day I'm stoic, one day I'm dramatic. Call me manic. <laughs> I'm going to stick with stoic, I think. The economy. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I'm going to stick with my prediction that I've had. 70s style devaluation, inflation, deflation, shortages, bad economy. That's my prediction. We're still living in the roaring, roaring times right now. We haven't burned off the cash yet. 
Pain hasn't even started. Will we avoid it? Have they really done it with this modern economic theory? We shall see. We shall see. I remember, it's a true story. I remember, it was a movie or something. Talked about it as kids. Back in the 70s, when inflation started rearing its ugly head then. Why? Why was that so significant? Well, that had been about enough time since we had been off the gold standard for the problems of the fiat money to start to kick in. And they did. And uh, 70s was a, a terrible economic period and otherwise. A lot of drugs, violence, division in the country. Maybe that's the way it always is. I don't feel that way in the 80s. The 90s had their problems, the 2000s. But then Obama came and just steered the country hard left, which is angry, bitter, bitter, and resentful, is it not? It sure seems that way. So anyway, did you hear this story? I don't think it really made it around in a huge way, but the police in Kansas raided this local newspaper, took their computers and phones, and it turned out that they were investigating um, doing interviews over claims that the police chief uh, had been involved in some type of um, uh, extracurricular relationship activities. And so the police went and got a warrant and raided this place. Under what pretenses? Well, the uh, warrant was then withdrawn by the prosecutor saying there was uh, insufficient evidence. Insufficient evidence of what? We'll see what kind of heads roll on that. We may never know. You're not going to follow up on that part of the story. But how corrupt. And you don't think that that can't happen in your town? People say it to me. I'm not afraid of the police. Um, I mean, I don't mess with the police. I don't know why you would. I you know what I mean? Um, that's kind of silly to me, too. But um, I'm supportive of law enforcement. You know that. Many friends that are law enforcement. But I don't, I'm not going to take anybody's crap. You know what I mean? This would handle it properly. That's the difference. Not on the side of the road, likely, you know what I mean? Um, but it doesn't just end there in, in Kansas. Police in Delaware were caught on camera uh, figuring out how they were going to put a, a pin this guy with a phony um, um, charge for a driver who flipped them off. So the cops get flipped off. They're going to try and, um, you know, charge this guy with some kind of a crime. Unbelievable, really. Now, were they joking around about it? I'm sure it was all just a big misunderstanding, right? Isn't it always? Um, this is the big story I wanted to mention, though. This is really concerning to me on a variety of fronts. Philadelphia teenager accused of buying and testing bomb-making materials, supposedly to support a foreign terror group. This is another thing that I have to believe, especially with AI, that there's going to become more and more sophisticated ways that are easier and easier to, to cause destruction, mischievous ways, sabotage ways. You know, what are you going to, that much problem would be created if I could recreate your voice um, saying I love you to a female or something like, you know, I can't, I'm, I don't have that kind of mind, but you know what I'm saying? And I say, I send it to you and I say, listen, I'm not going to get too crazy with this. But you send me 500 bucks or I'm sending it to your wife. What would you do? I'd absolutely pay it. There's no way. my wife, No, I'm kidding around. I wouldn't pay it. But I bet you half the people would. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the statistical odds? Who would pay? Who would not? 
Trump, he's paid. He's a payer. Why is he a payer? It always is a red flag to me. I couldn't see myself doing that. What does a lawyer say? Well, you don't really have the best case, Mr. President or Mr. Trump or whatever. What? What do you mean? Because there's a photo of me and this lady and nothing happened. Really nothing happened? Why would they pay? It's always a question. Anyway, here's what I would say to you. The biggest threat that I continue to see is a breakdown in basic security in our society. Maybe not globally in the sense that, you know, everywhere. Pretty safe here where I'm at. We feel pretty safe right now. I don't really worry too much at all, actually. Quite frankly, I'd be comfortable sleeping with the doors unlocked. How's that? But I don't. (laughs) Uh, And I don't leave the house unprotected. And there's a reason why I don't. I would encourage you to look around, take a look at your situation, your person, your house, your children. What's your security exposure? And what would you do if a situation where you had it involved large numbers of people? Think about those people down in St. Louis. And you're going to be like, oh, I would shoot them. Hmm. You better think long and hard. You're going to go out there and start ripping open. Don't think for a second that they don't have the armed people in those groups as well to respond to that. I believe many do or did or will. And I don't think you'd want to. you got to be very, very careful with it. Dealing with any of it, it's going to get harder and harder. What are you going to do if they come to take the guns? A couple of Democrats away in the Senate from all guns being made illegal at the federal level. Where would it end? They would say to you the opposite. I want more Republican, and, and you'll, you'll, you'll never be able to get an abortion for anything. That's the scare tactic that they use. I'd prefer to keep the guns, but that's just me. Hey, God willing, I'll be back on Friday. Sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.